Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message is Blessings You Should Expect. Blessings You Should Expect. I'll tell you where I'm getting this message from. It's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. Um, and, and it reads this. It says, The Lord will keep you strong. Now, I could preach a whole sermon just on that, because if you've ever thought to yourself, I don't want to keep going to church, and I don't want to keep worshiping, because I know how I am. I'm just going to fall back into my old ways again. I've already said, I'm sorry. Lord, please forgive me 7.2 billion times. The Bible says, He will keep you strong. Your own discipline, you pointing yourself in the face, be better, be better, be better, be better. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to do it anymore. All that time of just kicking yourself in the rear end. All of that is trying to be holy and righteous within your own strength and your own discipline. And let me just share with you the frustration you feel is because your strength is coming from yourself. Let's never forget this. Everything depends on who you depend on. If you're depending on yourself to be holy, depending on yourself to be strong, I'm telling you, you will live the rest of your life frustrated. But God says this. He goes, I will be your strength. I will keep you strong until the end so that you will have no blame on the day that Jesus Christ returns. Now, I'm not preaching on that verse, but just put your hands together for that. Now, it leads into the verse that I want to share. It's in verse number 9, and it says this, God will do this because he has called you into a partnership with his son, Jesus Christ. He's saying, I'm going to keep you strong. You depend on me. I'm going to keep you strong because you are so important to my plan that I have called you to be in partnership with Jesus Christ. Your partnership, who you partner with, determines how fast your life accelerates. Who you are in relationship with determines the blessings that come into your life. Now, for those of us that are saying, no, the blessings come from God. Have you ever received a paycheck that is signed Jesus? God sends his blessings through people. And if you're not in relationship with the right people, then God is unable or is limited on the blessings that he can send you. I, I will, uh, let me illustrate this. I, I, I was standing with uh, t two friends. It, it was a, a unique situation. It wasn't identical to this, but I was, I was talking to two friends. And, and uh, the, the person on my left uh, was telling us about how he has a friend who lives in Hawaii. And he said, hey, I want you to come to my house in Hawaii. I'm going to be at my own house in Phoenix. This guy's loaded. I'm going to be at a house in Phoenix. 
why don't you and your wife just come have a vacation at my house in Hawaii. Stay as long as you want. Free, no charge. Eat the brisket in the refrigerator. Have whatever you want. And this friend over here to my right said out loud, I need better friends. <laughs> I, I, need, I need different friends. It's, it's the relationship that matters. That, let me say it this way. Life moves at the pace of your relationships. If you lock yourself up into a closet and never come out, first of all, you're going to starve. But secondly, it's very difficult for God to bless you while you're locked up because he uses relationships. I have something so exciting for you that you are in partnership with God. If you get a job at a snow cone stand, then you can be excited because you have a job. But if you get a different job that's paying you 10 times more, it's just a new relationship is all it is. If you come home and you're excited because you got a new contract, then you are. Why? Because it's your partnership. God is saying this. Jesus created the world. He pulled mountains out of the ground. He carved his finger in land and caused streams. He holds the ocean in his hand. And he said, I want you to be in partnership with him. Now, this is how this works. This is how this works. In John 15, verse 5, Jesus says this about the partnership with you. He says this. I am the vine. He's talking to you. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. In other words, I am the trunk of the tree. And the branches are attached to me. You are the branches. He says, whoever remains in me stays connected. You're the branch. You stay connected to God. What does that mean? What does it mean to be connected? Your mind is always aware that he is there. You're talking with him and you're living for him. He says, if you remain connected with me, you are going to bear much fruit. Because you can produce nothing without me. Nothing. So there's two blessings that I want to talk about, two large pieces of fruit that you can expect to receive as you partner with him, as you stay connected with him. Uh, the two things I'm going to talk about, number one is understanding, and number two, usefulness. Let me talk about understanding. The most difficult thing that a person has in their relationship with God is understanding how phenomenal he is. It's understanding the, the love that he has for you. If, if we could get a glimpse of how much he loves us, everything else would be easy. We would have an understanding of what his presence is feels like. Uh, Paul said it like this in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 18. He goes, I wish, I wish 
you had the power to understand. I wish you had the blessing of understanding. I wish you had the fruit of understanding. I, I wish you knew how far and how wide and how deep and how high his love is for you. I wish you knew because when we get a glimpse of his presence, everything else increasingly becomes very, very dim. There's this old song I grew up with, and I'm gonna, I might not even get the words right. I'm definitely not going to sing it. But it says, uh, you guys can help me out. As I gaze into his wonderful face, the things of this world becomes strangely dim. Strangely dim. Why is it strangely dim? Because the things that were so important, all of a sudden, strange. It used to be so important. But now, oh my goodness. I, don't, I can't believe that used to be important to me. I cannot believe I used to be stressed out about that. I cannot believe I was living my whole life. I cannot believe because, wow. Now, I want to live only for you. In Psalms 27, verse 4, the psalmist got a glimpse and he said this, Oh God, this one thing I ask, this only will I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Don't you want to build a, no, don't you want to have, no, 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 I don't want any of that. I know it sounds strange. I don't want any of that. All I want to spend time in your presence, watch this, to gaze in the glory of your face and dwell in your sanctuary all the days of my life. Do you see the contrast all of a sudden, understanding. As we dwell with him, as we pursue him, how do you pursue God? Isaiah chapter 6, verse 26, it says this. Those of you who pray, give yourself no rest and give God no rest until he has completed his promise. No rest. God, I want to know how much you love me. God, I want to know what your spirit feels like. God, give me a glimpse, even if it's like looking through a keyhole at space, just give me a glimpse. If there is any prayer that God is more ex most excited about answering, it's that one. It is that one. That is the fruit. That is a blessing you can expect. People who are bored with God, bored with the church, nonchalant about the things of the Lord, they just haven't had a glimpse of his presence. Once you get a glimpse, everything changes. Can you, can you say amen to that? Come on. Everything changes. Number two, usefulness. Usefulness 
is what the blessing that you should expect. I used to play uh, basketball in high school. And uh, it was, um, it, we had a running and gunning team. I mean, we, we were really good. Not, not because of me, but these guys, I mean, they could dunk the basketball when they were seven years old. They were just really, really good. It was on the east side of Houston, running and gunning. And uh, the, the team was so good. All 15 guys were so good that the coach would put in five players for two minutes. And then two minutes later, he'd take them out and put in a different five for two minutes. And then the coach would take them out and put in a third five for two minutes. And each five would just go wide open. We were running all over the court because we, were, we didn't have to save any energy. We were running and gunning. If you could watch our team, it was like, choo, 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 choo. and as soon as we get tired, the next five comes in. But I'll never forget, it was at the end of the game, and now the coach had to pick a five to finish the game. There was about a minute left to the game, and we're all gathered around the coach. And the coach looks at all 15 of us, and I don't know how this happened. But he started on the left and he said, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. And he looked at me and says, and I need you. I can't tell you what it felt like when he looked at me and he says, and I need you. He put the five on the floor and we played and we won. And here I am to this day thinking to myself, he needed me. Can I just tell you that when the Lord looks around, he says, I need you. I need you. I need you. And I need you. But until that moment, that revelation, that understanding that you're needed, until that happens, we have a tendency to kind of sloth through life. We take everything serious except for our assignment. And why is that? It's not because we don't love God. Everybody in this room loves God. It's not because we don't want to commit ourselves to him. Because we're committing ourselves to the best of our ability. But what we haven't got a glimpse of is how important we are. How, how useful you are to the kingdom. You are so useful. God has created everything, but he's saying, I need you. Let me just share with you. He loves you so much that he's looking forward to the day when you are in heaven and you get to see him as he truly is. And he can embrace you. He is looking for that day. But that day cannot be today. It cannot be today. And why is that? Because you are too useful to the plan. And once your assignment is over, who knows how old you'll be. Once your assignment is over, then he goes, okay. Your assignment is over. Now 
is the time for you to be in my presence and we can truly embrace. The reason why you're sitting here right now is because your assignment isn't over. You are useful to this plan on earth. And I want you to get a glimpse on how grand he is and how important you are. Uh, a friend of mine uh, told me about a dream. And it was a dream where uh, this, this gentleman walked right up to the presence of God. And God was sitting behind this desk. Jesus. It was Jesus sitting behind the desk. And he noticed that on the front right corner of the desk. There was a small little globe. And he said to Jesus. Is that the earth? And Jesus said back. No. That's the universe. Small little glow compared to his presence. He, there is nothing that exists that's not in him. You can't go outside of him. You can get in a rocket ship and go for 150 years. You can never get outside of him. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. It says that he was before all things and all things, Mars, Jupiter, the furthest star, all things are held together within him. This is how grand he is. And he says, and all the grandness and all the splendor that I have, you are useful. I need you. And when we are pursuing him, when we are aware of his presence, when we are praying relentlessly, we are giving ourselves no rest. What is discovered is the blessing of usefulness. That is when we discover what we are called to do. When we begin to distance ourselves from the rest of the world and say, I have a singular focus. I got to work to pay the bills. I got I to gotta do the dishes so that we're humane. I, I, I got to do the yard. I got to do those things. I don't get to do those things. I got to do those things. But after I get all these, these, these temporary things done, I'm back to pursuing God. And the, the, the idea of separating yourself from the world, like, I'm sorry, I can't talk like you. I'm sorry I can't dress like you. Uh, I'm pursuing a holy God. And, and, and I know that, that my life has, has got to have a degree of holiness. What does holiness mean? It, it just means to be separate. It doesn't mean to be perfect. It means to be separate. The Bible says this. Uh, what's the verse? First uh, Peter 1.14. It says, be holy in every aspect of your life. Just as he who has called you is holy. Be separate in every aspect of your life. I'm sorry we can't dress like that. I'm sorry we can't watch like that. I'm sorry we don't listen to these things. There, there is a difference between a child of God. 
the, a difference between someone who is recognizing their partnership with God. There's a difference when someone says, I need more understanding, so therefore I choose to be separate. There's a, a difference of a person who's saying, I am going to remain in the vine. Those who remain in me. Now there's this funny scripture about four verses later. It's in John chapter 15, verse 9. It says this, Jesus talking. I have loved you the exact same way as God the Father has loved me. And then he says this, remain in my love. Stay in my love. Now, if you're anything like me, you would think, I do want to remain in your love, but how do I do that? He's so wonderful that he answered that question in the very next verse. He says, those who follow my commandments remain in my love. This is what I'm trying to say, is when you, you crave understanding, you crave to know your usefulness, you say to yourself, Lord, how do you want me to live? How can I please you? And whatever commandments you have, whatever desires you have, this is how I want to live my life. Imagine for a moment Prince Charles in England. He says, hey, I want you to come visit me. I want you to come to my palace or whatever they call it. I want you to come visit me, and I want to give you a tour. And not only do I want to give you a tour, I want you to live here for a few weeks. Of course, you say, well, I got to work. I don't know how that's going to work. He goes, I'll give you two years' salary. Just come live here for a couple weeks. I'll see you in a minute. But before we get on the plane, we get an email, and it says, it's from his secretary or whatever they call it in England, I don't know. It says, hey, just so you know, the king would rather you take your shoes off before you step in. And he, it really bothers him uh, when people don't eat at the table. When they just grab their plate and they go walk into the living room. It really bothers him. He wants you to sit at the table. And, and then also, there's a measure of privacy that he really likes. And so when you go to sleep, if, if you would shut your bedroom door and, um, you know, would really appreciate that. And just be proper, say, excuse me. And he's really particular about that. And then you think to yourself, rubbish. Rubbish! I don't take my shoes off when I walk into my house. It's my shoes, my house. I don't like to close the door when I go to sleep. I like the door to be open. I want to hear everything that's going on. If I say thank you, if the thought crosses my mind, then I'll say thank you. But I'm not going to be like, say thank you, thank you. I'm not going to get overwhelmed with being polite. I'm just, if it crosses my mind, I'll be polite. I'm not going to get overwhelmed with it. And another thing, in my family, we can eat dinner wherever we want. We can eat dinner in the kitchen. We can eat dinner in the living room. We can eat dinner while we're watching TV. And so you tell Prince Charles, we'll eat 
wherever we want to eat. Thank you very much. Do you think Prince Charles would be like, ah, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know that that's how you felt. Just come anyway. Who cares? Just stomp in the house wearing whatever you want. I don't care. In fact, just come sleep in my bed and just lay crossways. Eat wherever. Do you think he's going to do that? No. Because when you walk into his kingdom, there's a culture that he has. And if you want to be in his kingdom, you look at his culture, you honor his culture, you adapt to his culture, and you say to yourself, all of my personal desires stay outside. When we come to the Lord, we say, Lord, what is your culture in the kingdom? What do you like in the kingdom? How do you want us to talk? How do you want us to live? Because I want to be a part of that kingdom so much. I want to be connected to the vine so much. I want to know you so well. I want to know what my assignment is. So therefore, I choose holy. I choose to be separate. How do you want me to live? Because you are my king. You are my king. Come on, put your hands together for that. As we pursue the Lord, the Lord gravitates to us. See, the Bible's fascinating because he tells us in black and white. Have you ever been in a relationship where somebody plays mind games with you and it's so frustrating? Like they just stop talking. And it's like, what do you want me to do? What? Just tell me. What you want me to do. Okay, just got awkward in here. Real sorry for that. Should have used a different example. <laughs> the Holy Spirit makes it abundantly clear. And he says this. This is in James 4a. If you draw close to me, I'm going to draw close to you. If you had a family member in California... The first thing you would say is, why aren't you inviting me to your house more often? But if you got in a car and you started driving to go be with them, what do they do? They sit in their house and they wait for you to arrive. That's not how the Lord is. If the Lord were in California living in a house and you said, I want to visit you, I want to see you. And you get in your car and you start driving towards California. The Lord says, oh, you're driving towards me? I'm not going to wait for you. I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to meet you. You're driving to me and I'm going to be driving to you. And then once we meet up in the middle, get in the car. That's how a Bostonian would say, they don't say ours, my father's a Bostonian. Get in the car! And we're going to ride the rest of the way together. He meets you halfway. He doesn't make you worship and feel like you're talking to the wall for an hour. He says to you, come talk to me. And the moment you shut the door behind you and you begin to worship, it's like... 
See, you don't have to look for God. You just praise him and he finds you. Will you put your hands together for that? Come on. Every single time I play a, a video, we are going to play a video um, of someone who was recently healed in our church. Um, and if you've been coming to church here, you know um, what the Lord's been doing for the past. I counted it off the other day. I've always been saying two to three years, but man, it's been uh, 2018, 19, 20, 21, four and a half years that the Lord's been doing this. And I'm so grateful. But for the last four and a half years, every single time we go for healing, people get healed. And I want that to build faith in you. Because in Romans chapter 2 verse 11, it says, I have no favorites. He doesn't favor me more than he favors you. Someone asked me to come speak at some camp or some, I don't know what it was, some convention. It was for leaders last Tuesday. And I, I, I said, all over the phone, I said, I'm not coming to come bring some funny message. I don't have time for that. You can call someone else for that. I said, I'm going to come, I'm going to teach, and then I'm going to expect God to do something powerful. At the end of the message, typically, when we pray for six people, three gets healed. Four gets healed. Not everybody we pray for gets healed. Sometimes we got to pray for them for 17 weeks and then they get healed. The healing comes from the Lord. We can't pick and choose. He says when, he says how. But last week I was speaking and prayed for 15 people and 14 people got healed. But here's the kicker. I didn't pray for any of them. They came down because they needed to get healed. And right down the line, I said, why do you need to get healed? And this one particular girl, she came from this side. She said, well, I had a blown eardrum. But as soon as I started walking to the altar, I felt it get healed. This lady, she was standing right here at, on the stage where I was. It was in Waxahachie. Didn't know. Didn't know that place existed. You don't get to Waxahachie on accident. You get, you, <laughs> you don't just like, oh, we're in Waxahachie. No, 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 that's not how that works. You got to purposely go there, otherwise you won't find it. But anyway, we're, she was sitting right there, and she came down because she, was, she couldn't hear in her right ear. And so I said, why are you here? She goes, well, a minute ago, for years I haven't been able to hear in my right ear, but now I do. And so I'm like, man, clearly the Lord doesn't need me today because he's healing everybody before I get there. But this particular testimony that I'm going to share with you, the healing took place, but then a revelation took place. And, and I, I want to share it with you. Take a look at this. So a few weeks ago, we were live streaming Frankie's sermon. He had a word of knowledge that he was supposed to pray for someone that had stomach pain. And I had been experiencing stomach pain and it seemed to revolve around drinking. The drinking wasn't alcoholism. I didn't feel addicted to alcohol. I just felt like it was social, like it was the thing to do. Because you go to a restaurant, they come up and ask you, can I get you a margarita, a glass of wine? going out with friends, hanging out in the pool, and always having a drink in my hand. As Pastor Frankie started to pray, we raised our hands, we were receiving the healing, 
and my stomach started to form beads of sweat. And I told my husband, look at my stomach, it's sweating. And we were inside in the air conditioning, so I shouldn't have been sweating. So my husband said, that's great, you're healed. And I said, I know. But a couple of days later came this revelation. And I felt the Holy Spirit ministering to me and telling me that that wasn't the only healing I was to receive. It was a healing of my spirit. And the way he was going to do that was by removing alcohol from my life completely. And he told me specifically that drinking alcohol was separating me from him. And it was also separating me from the blessing that he had for me, the full blessing that he had for me. I needed to stand out and be different. So as of today, my stomach has no pain. And more importantly, I feel a clarity and a closeness to God and an intimacy that was not there before. This revelation completely changed my life and the healing I received through Pastor Frankie's sermon changed my life completely. There's, there's a scripture in Hebrews. It's Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 16. It says, the Lord says this, I will write my commandments for you on your mind. And I will place them in your heart. As we're pursuing the Lord, the Holy Spirit tells us what he wants us to separate from. I've talked about being in his presence. I've talked about the revelation of understanding, the revelation of usefulness. But we must understand that our relationship with him is determined by our obedience. And when the Lord is saying, I love you, I've called you, but I want you to make the following decisions. Our obedience is linked to the blessings that we see. See, obedience, blessings do not come first and then obedience. That's not how it works. You say, God, bless me, and then I'll do whatever you ask. That's not how it works. It's the opposite. Lord, I devote my life to you. In my heart, in my soul, I know what you want me to do. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to pursue you. And then the blessings follow. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 Paul says this I urge you dear brothers and sisters to lay your life down as a sacrifice do not copy the behavior or the customs of this world but be separate Then it says this in the second verse. Allow God to transform you. You're no longer the same person. 
by changing the way you think. Watch this. And then you will know what God has called you to do. This Sunday, I'm challenging you to commit every single part of your life to the Lord. And as a result, we will experience His presence in a way that we never have before. But personally, you will open the door to your house. You will feel His presence. You will get in your car and it will be like a sanctuary driving down the road. And wherever you go, the Lord's love and power will flow through you. Would you stand up on your feet for me, please? <clears throat> I'd like all of our prayer partners to come down, if they would. All of the prayer partners. Sometimes... Uh, I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for a couple specific people. Now, most of the healings, most of the miracles that he does in our church happen from the prayer partners. Most. Oftentimes, there's a couple people that he wants me to pray for. And in these moments, I, I believe I'm hearing from God. But I don't know if I'm hearing from God or if I'm talking to myself. And so I ask you all, and, and if nobody raises their hand and says, that's me, then I say, hey, I'm sorry. I was trying to hear from God on your behalf and it was me. But if I am hearing from God, the probability of you being healed shoots right through the roof. On the day that When we get emails of people that are healed, it's because they raise their hand. Now, if you say, I don't want to raise my hand, I don't want to come, I don't want you to pray for me, I'm embarrassed. I don't know how those stories end. Maybe they end good, maybe they don't end good. I don't know, I'm not part of it. But if you're courageous enough to raise your hand, the only thing that'll happen is you just come down here and when the service is over, I take my microphone off, this little Britney Spears microphone, I take it off and I pray for you. So there's nothing to be afraid of. And so I want to just kind of lean into what I think the Lord is telling me. Is, is there someone here that's having digestive issues? You just, you can't, 
digest your food. You, you have to, and I'm going to give examples of this. The Lord healed somebody here recently that every time they swallow, they have to put their finger down their throat to make themselves throw up because they can't digest it. Now that may not be you. I'm just giving you an example of digestive issues. And is there someone here, you have a, a detached, part of your eye is detached, like a detached cornea. It's detached. And the very last one, I don't know where it's at. It's like, it's either, I feel like it almost wraps around. It's like pain here, but it kind of wraps around or it moves. Sometimes it's here and sometimes it's here. Sometimes it's there. It kind of moves. So those are the three things that I feel like the Lord's telling me. Now we find out if that's anyone in this room. And if it's not, and did somebody here get the, your teeth down here in your jaw? In your bottom jaw, something happened. So let's find out, am I talking to myself or is the Lord speaking to me? Because if the Lord's speaking to me, you're, you're going to get, the probability of you getting healed is, is off the charts. What, what is it? Yeah. Okay, so she was going up the stairs, which is unique, and then she fell and, and it hit her her bottom jaw and she has a fractured tooth why'd you come down nerve pain in the bottom why'd you come down the pain that wraps around is the kidney stones what digestive the food's not leaving fast enough to go into your stomach okay it's it, the pain that's wrapping around as well. So these are the people that I'm that I'm assigned to pray for. If you're if you're skeptical in this room about what just happened, that doesn't mean you're bad. That just means you're a cognitive thinker. You probably like spreadsheets. You probably like numbers. You're <laughs> you like systems. You like linear thoughts. Uh, if you're musical and you're an artist, you're in. <laughs> the only thing I'm going to ask is keep coming. On a certain day, in a certain moment, the Holy Spirit will confirm within you that what is happening is true. Why would you come down? A tumor in your right eye? It's not detached, but it was a tumor that was in your eye. Okay, the Lord's going to heal you. Sometimes, see, the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians um, 13, 9, we know in part and we prophesy in part. So because I'm human and I'm learning to hear from God, sometimes part of what I'm saying is right and the other part is not right. But because of his faith, he'll get healed this morning because of your faith.
So I want to open the altars and I want to encourage you to come out of your seat and take the hand of someone down here. But the most important question I can ask this morning is if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? If the answer is no, I want you to come down and take the hand of someone down here. Let them pray for you. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May the countenance of the Lord's face be lifted up on you and give you peace.